Do you have a show or a YouTube channel, podcast, or relevant product that you want to promote at the top of the Elseworlds Exchange? Well, now's your chance, man. For 50 bucks, you'll get a month's worth of plugs at the audio version right here of the Elseworlds Exchange. Right at the top of the show, first thing they'll hear, now it'll probably still be my voice, but you'll write up a short one-minute plug, we'll record it, and toss it at the front of the show. Or, alternatively, for 20 bucks, you can get a month's worth of plugs at the end of the show. Right after you hear us sign off, same deal, one-minute scripted plug for your stuff. How do you take advantage of this incredible opportunity? Just go to therealcomicpop.com, hit the contact button at the top, and fill everything out, and we'll work it out through PayPal. By the way, we do reserve the right to reject or accept based on our own personal taste. I'm not going to plug your Nazi podcast, man, I'm sorry. You know what, I'm not sorry about that, but you're not going to do it anyway. So, go to therealcomicpop.com, hit the contact button at the top of the page, fill everything out, and we'll work it out. Worth it. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of the law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal. And I'm Joel. This is the only comic book-related podcast you can find live here on Comic Pop, in which Joel joins me and we talk about one topic for about an hour. Uh, today's topic is about stakes in comics. And no, not mm. the sizzling, dis- the delightful kind that come from a moo cow. I'm talking and about... not the kinds that kill vampires. Yeah, exactly. Or the wooden stakes. No, we're talking about... The, it is spelled that way. Uh, stakes. We're talking about the things that matter, the things that happen in comics that you think or what they want you to think are long-lasting and impactful moments or consequences that happen in your serialized fiction that has an interconnected continuity and... What the deal is with that? How we're living yeah. in a crazy, topsy-turvy world where, eh, like, maybe stakes are kind of dead, if you can use that term. Uh, and how can we get back? How can we fix it? It's true. It, uh, it's been really hard in comics. And we always say this whenever a new series comes out, where it's like, yeah, that's fun and everything, but I'm not really feeling the stakes on this one. Or, man, you know, I wish the stakes were a little higher. Right. You've heard yourself say it. You've heard your comic book retailer, your friends, your favorite YouTubers or podcasters talk about the stakes in comics. We're going to talk today about some of those books that in which stakes did matter, in which mm-hmm. there was some impact, why those felt impactful when they happened, or if we weren't around when they did happen, why we believed in them when they did, and some things that maybe didn't really have stakes, but the comics companies that put them out thought you would believe they would, yeah. and why some of those feelings are hollow, and maybe how they can get back to grounding these stories and giving us something that we can believe in again. Um, It'd be nice. Before we jump into that, I wanted to say that uh, this show is supported by a number of institutions, the first of which is our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash comic pop, you will find behind the scenes and early access to videos and all kinds of other fun stuff. Uh, in addition to a spinoff show from this show here uh, called One Shots, which is separated entirely, no uh, repeats or, you know, reused stuff. It's all pure original content that you can find exclusively on the Patreon Uh, if you want that kind of thing. Um, And the other thing we're being supported by is Super Chats. Uh, That is for a number of reasons. One, uh, YouTube makes it possible for us to do them. Number two, uh, they pay to keep the roofs over our heads. And number three, uh, it also helps to distinguish between, like, uh, the the, the chat that is talking to mostly itself, to to each other, and those of you who want to talk to us directly. Uh, Mm -hmm. That helps us out. So... Anyway, I encourage you to use them if you are watching the show live, and if you're listening to the audio version over on iTunes or uh, Podbean, uh, sorry, you've missed it, but 
go to youtube.com slash pop and check it out but it's still a fun show anyway it's exactly you're still you're not missing much uh, outside of a great conversation with other like-minded individuals like yourself um for example in the super chats we've got adam asamoah who's got two super chats the first of which is first again he's been uh making sure that he's like the first super chat for the last couple <laughs> of shows and he also Indeed. says good steaks are medium rare i agree i find mm-hmm. that most of the time the uh, places where you order them don't know what medium rare is, so I, I, I order them on rare, and I'm more uh, happy with the results than I am disappointed by the medium rare that people think they're providing me. So, any If you cook your steak any more than rare, you're ruining it. You don't like the taste of steak. You like the taste of char because that's what you're eating. Exactly. Uh, and Pricey8040 says, could there be a comic where heroes stay dead, but villains can come back to life? I think you would run out of heroes eventually, my friend. But, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you could find any number of worlds where that is the case. Uh, I would check, you know, uh, maybe Valiant. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like something they would do. So let's talk about some uh, some stakes, things that happen in comics that kind of like inspire this topic. Joel, what do you, what do you think? Like, what are some what are some things that happen, pivotal moments in comics that like, mattered either when Mm. they happened and you remember it or mattered because when you came in they had already mattered it was a big i mean obviously you know you can't talk about stakes without talking about the crises especially the original crisis because it's like oh that was the one that changed everything you know characters died most of them came back after the fact but you know it was it was all changed it was all different and it was you know such a big watershed moment for comic fans that we kept doing them every five to ten years or so whenever we got in trouble or we got our backs against the wall and we needed to do something big to shake it up to where now i don't even think a crisis has stakes anymore like if they were to announce another crisis tomorrow and it's DC, so they might. We've been about five to ten years. I'd be like, meh. Oh, absolutely. No, the the fact is, uh, the second crisis. So it was Crisis on Earth. The next one, Zero Hour, Crisis in Time, was made specifically because Crisis hit ten years. And mm-hmm. they thought, wouldn't it be fun to celebrate a decade of having lived in this crisis or living in the fallout of said crisis? And we have another one. It was yeah. poorly written. It was stupid. It was a waste of time. It didn't fix anything. It only made things worse. Yeah. The next crisis was a was a bad idea and ruined crises forever. Because after that, you were like, "Oh, DC is DC is synonymous with crises now. That's what we're gonna do." They're the crisis machine. They're the crisis machine. Like so, every time they need to do anything with any universal <sighs> impact. It's got to be called a crisis, and they, like, I know Grant Morrison named a number of stories that he wrote for JLA, Crisis, uh, there were a couple other stories that had crisis in the title before, Crisis Infinite Earths, but the fact is, after the, you know, bed-crapping moment of zero hour, the teeth were taken out of a crisis, even though, I think they were turned to form, Identity Crisis was more of a mystery, there was no real reason to to call it a crisis, Mm. but Infinite Crisis definitely did what it set out to try and accomplish, even if all it did was return the multiverse. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, I will say something that is akin to a crisis and I think actually did have stakes and actually was important. We could argue how much of it uh, mattered in the end, but uh, that last Secret Wars they did in Marvel, it was a big deal because it was more or less them trying to do a crisis, something they had never done before. And as a reader, I'm like, I have no idea what they're going to do here. Ultimate universes and 616 crashing into each other, dogs and cats living with each other. Yeah, Hickman's slow burn 
towards Secret Wars, I think, did a played a played a big role in providing that impact and that feeling of this matters for yeah. readers who at that point had seen it all and expected nothing. You know what I mean? Everybody mm. kind of like looked at what Hickman was building towards and said like, it's gotta be big. There's gotta be some, it's gonna be crazy. I mean, it has to be right. It's already been crazy. And like, it's, he's been playing the long game for so long. He hit secret wars. Secret wars really did feel like a big freaking deal. And of course, the hilarious, sad PS that story is it ultimately didn't matter. Um, because everything we did got redone anyway. Hey, Doom's got a face and is a good guy now. Hey, he's back to being a bad guy now. Well, and like we gave it to Bendis, so you know he kind of wrecked it. Sorry, but man, first two arcs of Infamous Iron Man were pretty good, weren't they? Yeah, they were pretty fun. Uh, but it's interesting how just playing the long game and building towards something gives whatever the payoff is going to be some kind of oomph, some kind of relevance to your readers. Uh, yeah. I, I remember Planet Hulk being really, really impactful for Hulk readers and for mm. non-Hulk readers who were finally getting into the Hulk after that. They were like, it's building towards something. This is crazy. Like, this is I'm, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen the status quo for the Hulk. I yeah. like it. And it's doing something totally new. And it's clearly building towards something. Now, it did build towards World War Hulk, which ultimately wasn't nearly as good as Planet Hulk. But the World War Hulk was the the, the crescendo that Pac was going for. You could tell from yeah. the moment that the last chapter of Planet Hulk wraps, and it says, like, this is the story of how the Hulk came to Earth. And you're like, the whole thing was a build-up towards World War Hulk. And even if, like, I, uh... yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, but, like, even the fa like the things that happen in World War Hulk, you're like, oh, man, like, this is paying homage to continuity, recent continuity, the Illuminati, mm. of course, being retconned into throwing the Hulk into space, but the chicken's coming home to roost, the fact that the Hulk and Iron Man destroy Avengers Tower, you're like, oh, only to be rebuilt literally within the same month that book came out because other comics <laughs> yeah. didn't want to address it. And that was another big thing that kind of took the teeth out of World War Hulk. The number one Hulk's back on Earth. You're like, oh, I think I know where this is going. He's not going to take over Earth, so where are we going to go from here? Um, but the build is a big new thing that I think writers are trying to help to achieve that element of stakes that otherwise would have been occupied by, like, killing a character or brutalizing eh. a character or, or cloning a character or cloning a character or giving them a new name or giving them a new identity or giving them a new status quo the, Just shooting in the head and making them amnesiacs well i don't think anyone that's the thing rick grayson that thing has no stakes it has no expectations no nobody expects that to last any longer than it should and in everyone's fact everyone's just looking at their watch it's like are they done yet they've changed writers are they done yet what's funny is not only do they expect it not to last but in this case, they're like, can it be over already? Like, they're not excited mm. for what this is at all. No. There's nothing fun or interesting about this status quo. Because nobody asked for it, which isn't always a, a mark of a bad story. It's just simply... I mean, no one asked for a spy dick Grayson, too. And Grayson was actually pretty solid because they put two really good writers on it who had something to prove. Precisely. Uh, so I'm not saying that just because the audience didn't ask for it means that it's going to be doomed. It's just simply a combination of factors, one of which is, who wants this? 
and also too you fought so hard to get nightwing back to the status quo everyone wanted with the blue suit living in bloodhaven doing all this other stuff and then you fucked it up you fixed what wasn't broken yeah yeah you broke it again and now someone's gonna have to fix it again and you broke it the first time like you broke it then you gave fans back what you wanted and then you broke it again that's not stakes that's not anything really that's artificial stakes. That's, that's you inventing problems that don't occur naturally or organically. That's wheel spinning. You know what that is? That's that's like it's it's not even the worst. One of the, one of the like, uh, I remember one thing that they announced or they that like, it was it was a status quo shift that seemed like it had stakes, but no one bought it. And this was way back in the day, like 1995 or whatever, uh, when Wolverine got the adamantium pulled out of his skeleton. Oh, yes. And they revealed a number of things. One, he's got bone claws, which was the only thing mm. they lasted. Uh, the the other one, of course, was like, oh, uh, if he doesn't have adamantium, he'll become a big monster who has no nose. Like, mm, nobody cares about that. But, like, just the simple concept of, you know, Magneto is the worst villain to fight Wolverine, he can control metal. Yeah. Great reveal, great moment, pretty fun issue, but immediately after it was over. They didn't even establish that Wolverine even had claws when that happened. It was a, it was mm. a big reveal after that, that like, oh, he can still have claws, he can still be Wolverine. But like, I remember being a kid, reading those issues, talking to other people, and me being naive and being like, this is crazy. Comic book retailers and fans going, They'll put it back. They'll put it back soon. Them Already never jaded even back then. Exactly. That even 20 years ago, people were like, oh, that's not going to last. They'll change that. They'll fix it. It took them a long time, long in the context of the story. Like, you could quit comics and then come back to them a long time later and still have not had Wolverine get his skeleton back. Like, that much time. But they did ultimately put it back. And it's funny because when they, when they did return his adamantium, it's in a utterly forgettable story. Uh, of course, like no Isn't one. That how it pe people who do remember it, they're like, "Yeah, apocalypse." Blah. But like, it wasn't like, "Oh man, the moment when he gets his adamantium ripped out of his body." Like, that's a pivotal moment, even if it doesn't have. It, it seemingly has stakes, but even back then, no one was buying it. Mm. Uh, you uh, the super you... chats really quick. I just want to make sure, oh, we, yeah, sure we address everybody before the show ends. Silver Cricket says, No Surrender has a good idea of making you feel the stakes. All the A-listers are off the table, and you only have C-listers that will never get a movie. Ding, 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 ding. You got it. Right. Changing the cast. That's not a bad move. Uh, because changing the cast and giving lesser known or lesser popular characters a spotlight gives it stakes immediately because we don't know if they're going to win, we don't know if they're going to die, because their exactly. popularity doesn't support them. They don't have the greatest superpower, which is popularity. Like when Batman fights the Joker, well, they're never going to kill either of these two. They're both way too powerful. They might depower them, they might put them in a coma, but they're never going to die. Living Lightning, on the other hand... They may kill this motherfucker, it's true. Uh, at any moment. So I, I feel for him and I'm invested in his journey. Yeah. Same with uh, No Road Home right now. Granted, No Road Home has a couple more AAA Avengers, but still, yeah, the thing remains. They could kill Hercules. They could kill any number of characters. They killed all the Olympians. Yeah, it's, it, they kill all the Olympians. They could definitely kill Hercules. Or Hercules could sacrifice his life. Who knows? But uh, the, you're, you're actually able to pay attention to the plot and the story because you're not focused on how the hero will easily make it out of the situation. 
Scott Snyder's Justice League does that too. Yeah, we got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, but I'm way more interested in telling stories about Martian Manhunter and Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, and a Hawkwoman characters who I can be free to write more stuff about because they haven't had near as many stories told about them in this new continuity. And also, yeah, they could potentially die because we have extras. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Roboto says Marvel and DC equals meaningless death period. Uh, Oh, meaningless death period. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, like, what are they going to do? Leave him dead? Uh, Not likely. Jacob Baker, first time catching Elseworlds Exchange live. I read all of Ennis, The Boys, in a week, a series I think handled stakes well in its world. With the upcoming Amazon show, any plans on covering The Boys? Uh, if, uh, or no, Sal- because of the theme. <laughs> Sal hates The Boys. I hate The Boys. I think it's, uh, I-, I think it's really terrible. I read it when I was much younger and a lot more immature. I wonder if it'll still hold up. I definitely think there's a time in your life where the boils, uh, where the boys would appeal to you. Uh, I think if that, if you are in that time, read Preacher instead. It'll actually be good. Uh, yeah. But the boys works. Here's the thing: independent comics are always going to have stakes because no one is supporting them, and, you and it can could get canceled tomorrow. You can end the story. There's no, there's no longevity here. Like even Invincible. I think in the beginning, Kirkman was like, I'm going to end this. So you're like, oh, I know that what happens here matters. Um, But independent comics get away with that. It's almost not even worth talking about because it's almost the exact opposite. Like you're reading Saga and you're like, no one's coming back from the dead. Everyone dies. This universe doesn't give a shit about you. Like they're all screwed. Like there's uh-huh. no like there, there's too much stakes almost because mm. you're just like why do I want to read this? This is like life. Like yeah, I know my parents are gonna <laughs> die. Thank you for reminding me. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Kirkman there because you know it's funny the way Kirkman and Walking Dead deal with stakes. I am certain that Kirkman would have ended The Walking Dead a hundred issues back were it not for the popularity of the show and the fact that that's such a constant paycheck for him. So even even independent comics are sometimes not you know completely free from the ooh I have the magical popular popularity barrier around me. That's true. Success will always deaden your stakes. If you want to tell a long-form, serialized fictional story. Uh, Joshua Wright, Marvel needs to let characters stay dead again. Ultimate Peter Parker was the last one to do so. Bringing Bucky back was a great story, but a huge mistake. Uh, listen, I hate to tell you this, Josh, but they brought Peter Parker back from yeah, the I was going to say, even he didn't stay dead by the end of the Ultimate Universe. Well, they killed his whole universe, but then they kind of brought that back, too. Yeah, and he's alive in that, like, alternate ultimate universe that Bendis created that no one's going to refer to uh, on his way out the door uh, ultimate to the sequel yeah exactly uh, Marvel could let characters stay dead and here's a place where they might be able to do it if you want to see Marvel characters die the MCU simply because mm. care- actors die or get old yeah and it's like pathetic to see like a 70 year old Robert Downey Jr. being like okay Iron Man here we go <laughs> Like it's just not going to work. Now, that being said, of course, the, dig- the Disney face magic. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is literally 70. He looks, even without CG, he looks 50 at most. It's true. With the CG, he looks like 30. It's amazing. It's it, like, And it's only getting better. So, sure, yeah, like if you got a willing actor and a stunt double who has a good physique, you could probably make these characters live longer than ever before. But, like you're still going to have a problem when actors either get too big for their britches or they're going to mm. want to leave or they're going to die. And so as but such, when they like, Ed Norton it up or will they Ed Norton it up? They want to change the script for you. 
Um, I, I like you say they're face technology there. See, I don't think it is technology. I think the Mouse House actually spent their money and found the actual fountain of youth, and they're doling out just a little of it movie at a time. That's fair, yeah. All right, all right, Michael Douglas, here you go. Enjoy. And then... <laughs> Get in the Lazarus pit. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know. It's the, the Sam Jackson one is the most impressive, but I can't wait to see how it how it measures up under like a two-hour window. Yeah, for the whole, this is the longest we're actually going to see it. You're right about that. It's not a little thing where you can actually look and be like, wait, that's that's not Tarkin. Unless you're like, yeah, it's Tarkin or Tron Legacy, which like holds up only because you're on the grid. So everything's kind of fake. So you're like, oh, right on. Like, Clue looks more cartoony because he's on the grid. You never see him in real life. So it works out fine. Uh, man, Tron Legacy is so good. Anyway, uh, Adam Asimov's Spider-Man, the other prime example of no stakes. JMS didn't care about continuity, so at the end, the payoff isn't good when Spider-Man got new powers. Straight up, you're absolutely right. This is after the other. Uh, Spider-Man embraces the spider and whatever the hell, he gets reborn. He goes into a weird cocoon. He died in that story. He did. I mean, like, died. He was beaten to death. And then, like... His body exploded into a million different spiders and then reformed into a cocoon under a bridge, like, or a pier. Either way, that sucks. And it's also not what I was buying Spider-Man for. And then when he emerges, he's like, I've got new powers. Powers that I had before, but JMS didn't know that. Yeah. Like, every part of my body can stick. Unless I read, like, an Amazing Spider-Man annual from 1988, in which case it says that already. Uh, But I can see in the dark and talk to bugs. And it's like, no one else cares about that. Oh, also I have these stingers that no one mm. wants or cares about or uses, except for other stories about, like, other others, like Kane. That's okay, Kane. You can have these stingers if you want. I'm actually fine with that. Like, if they want to be like, oh, no, Kane became the other and he uses stingers. I'm like, right on, knock yourself out. Use them. Did they never tell that story? That feels like a story they should have told. Oh, they did. Oh, they did. Okay. Oh, no, it's just like, do it. Fine. I'm in. I don't care about that. I don't care about Peter. Like, as long as Peter doesn't have stingers. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to have like a spare Spider-Man running around. Give him new powers. Make him different. Fine. Who cares? Um, But that's the thing. Uh, Similar stakes. I remember uh, there's a story that lived forever. Like when I got into comics, it had already happened. Uh, Jason Todd's death. Yes. Again, because we we never killed a sidekick like this in a modern era. We especially never brutalized them the way they did. And it's funny because even the origins that his death come from, a 900 number that was manipulated by like one person and it turns out everybody who voted wanted to see Jason Todd survive but one person used like a robo calling system and skewed the numbers and so showing it, even back then nerds had way too much time on their hands yes that there were trolls even in 1987 or 88 or whatever uh but i'm so glad they killed him because Jason Todd was in jeopardy of being too much like Dick Grayson, and then too much like nothing, and yeah. then he died and became Batman's greatest failure. Yeah. Outside, of course, of letting his parents die, but he's eight years old, we're gonna give him a pass on that one. <laughs> and, and all the other failures since then, all the, you know, lying to people when he shouldn't have keeping secrets, but you know. That all comes out of that, though. It all comes after the fact. It all comes after Jason Todd's death. Like, Batman lying, you know, like, every all superheroes lie to keep their identity a secret, but, like, Batman, like, you know, betraying the Justice League or, like, you know, lying to Superman or trying to, you know, take over the whole city secretly, mm. subterranean, multiple bat caves and infrastructure. Like, yeah, that's that's messed up. But, like, Jason Todd's death actually wound up being kind of, like, interesting and iconic 
because like you got this great failure for Batman. You have this mm-hmm. totem in the Batcave that represents his failure that he'll never let him forget. Uh, mm-hmm. It also is a uh, springboard for new Robins to learn from that Robin's mistakes and Batman's failure. It's showing this war on crime has a price, a human collateral. Yeah, that it doesn't, you're, just because you put on a costume and fight bad guys doesn't mean you're going to walk away. Uh, that was something that was always very strong in my understanding of Batman, that Jason Todd mm. died. When they brought back Jason Todd, big story had stakes because it brought him back. Ultimately, it resulted in a fan favorite character. That's one of those, char- those stories where, even though I don't agree with the decision, under the Red Hood was absolutely a story that had stakes. It's a good story made for a good movie. It's a shame they continue to cheapen all the stuff with Jason. Where it's like, Jason, you're my greatest failure. Maybe I should work a little harder on, you know, trying to help you and reintegrate you. Now you can be my anti-hero son who I just push slightly off to arm's length until I need you. And then yeah. I'll come and get you. No, it, well, the problem with bringing back a long dead character who represented something more enduring than any story they're actually in after they're alive is just that like no longer does Jason get to be a symbol of failure and mistakes and death and uh you know a representation of like caution and you know preparedness and all that other stuff like he's a he's a mistake that Batman doesn't have to pay for anymore because he actually came back to life thanks to magic like yeah Whew, good. got out of that one screw you dad that's basically every Jason story ever and li- there's nothing you can do with Jason after that that is as iconic because now he's part of the pantheon of characters you're not allowed to kill anymore yeah, because now he's too popular. Ain't that the thing? And he's actually stuck in a weird position because, like, you kill him again, eh. Like, w- his first death was better. It will always have been better. You keep him alive, True. eh. We're going to run into stories to tell about this guy because what is he really? He's the second Robin who died who now is the Punisher. I- can I really tell that many stories about that guy? He, he's the Punisher, even though he's in the Bat family and uses guns, and he shouldn't be allowed to use guns. But Batman somehow not only lets that happen, but lets him wear the bat on his chest anyway. Right. I mean, Jason is a is a is a mixed bag that has a lot more fans than I think Winter Soldier does today. That's weird to think because I've always kind of gravitated more towards Winter Soldier. I love that Kyle Higgins mini that's going on right now because it actually gives him something to do out of the shadow of Captain America and something that is true to his character. He's trying to uh, get people out of bad situations and everything like he was in. He's saving like, you know, uh, people who are like trapped undercover or people who need to be deprogrammed and everything because obviously that's his background. Gotcha. Uh, I got to say, like when it came to Bucky versus Jason, I always felt like Bucky's resurrection was more okay. And mm. part of that is because Bucky died so early yeah, in the Cap yeah. career. He had so little impact on the Cap character. He was such an obvious ripoff of Robin. Yes, he was. And ultimately, we any story that we told about Cap being sad that Bucky's dead was already told. It was an awful story. And... Who cares? You bring back Bucky now, and it's kind of like, why not? You basically have a blank slate. What are you going to do with him? The fact that he was like a winter soldier, he's like a Russian spy, is in and of itself a complete departure from what Bucky was. It's not like Bucky had roots in Russian past. No, he was just, I made a new character, and I happened to make him Bucky. 
And it's like because that's awesome. Yeah, and that really it, it it actually it's funny because does it even have stakes as much as it's just kind of like the illusion of stakes because we for all intents purposes created a new character and called him the dead one from 60 years ago. Yeah. Uh but I never really had much of an issue with Bucky's resurrection. It's just kind of like well now what do you do with him? It's well he had a great run as Captain America but it feels like every time after that it's like all right how do we not just make him a poor man's Captain America? Ooh we'll we'll have him lead a Thunderbolts team eh, that fell apart. Ooh we'll have him be the man on the wall. Remember that when Winter Soldier was a cosmic character for like a I week? I forget. <laughs> oh wait because the the series sold really poorly and no one cared. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, and, and I don't think it was Alice because... Alice stopped writing comics after that, I think. And I don't even think it was that people didn't care because, like, oh, you know, like, that premise was kind of, like, flimsy. I think no one cared because, ultimately, there aren't that many Bucky fans. Which is sad. I mean, he's got a great costume and a great look, and Sebastian Stan's a great actor. <laughs> I mean, like, well, and what's funny is that is more effective. Like, the Winter Soldier in the movies, I think, is actually more effective than the comic book version. Because... In the movies, we are able to say, like, this is how it's always been. Whereas in the comics, there was a big wait between Bucky's death and Bucky's resurrection. So that this when Bucky comes back, I mean, Bucky's death was more of a comic book inside joke than yeah. a character of any kind. It certainly didn't have the same weight as Jason Todd's death. Um, but we have this kind of like, I don't know expectation or feeling that oh like Bucky's resurrection had stakes because like no one had dared brought him bring him back before and it's like yeah because no one thought to do it because why would you mm. um I'm glad I, I, they I created an original character out of him as a result of that but it's true. Uh, but he's but now what and that's really the yeah. problem with resurrections is like well now what now what do you do? That's the that is true. I, I, I guess another thing for stakes, if we want to talk about something that happened just recently, and this is something that's been grinding my gears and sticking in my craw. Uh, uh-huh. Let's let's talk about heroes in crisis for a second. There was a whole ticking clock there early on where it's like, oh no, these tapes of all these therapy sessions got out, and you know the hero secret identities might be outed to the world, which is a stake that always used to be a thing in old superhero comics. They don't use it as much anymore. You notice that? Heroes oh, yeah. getting outed for their identity? Oh, no, no. It's actually become almost like everyone has a magic spell protecting it because they're so cavalier with their identities. All the time. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, certainly, it's not played up. No one's like, you don't, like, no one, like, accidentally says someone's name and they, they just flip out and they're like, yo, my family will be killed. If, if you let this person this know, like, they don't really play that up anymore. Mostly, I think, because of the Peter Parker reveal. That I would also call the CWification of superheroes, because if you watch any of those shows, these heroes all have massive teams that all know their name there, and they all hang out outside of work, and it's like, there's some people should be able to put this together. Oh, absolutely. No, the teamification of superheroes is something, is like a recent phenomenon that I think like must have started. Let let's say it started around 2012 when Avengers came out, and they were like, "Oh, teams are in, and now everyone is a team, and all those yeah. teams have like, you know, ever expanding rosters or rotating tr- like groups, and it's just... support staffs. Even the Avengers has a support Avengers team now. Right, exactly. So you know, yeah. Which I mean, I guess makes sense on some level, where it's like, yeah, one person shouldn't be able to do all of this on their own, and you know, it takes a village, as they say. Sure. No, but I yeah, it, it, it is weird 
the the secret identity thing. And again, in Heroes in Crisis, the whole oh no, you know, uh, someone is threatening Lois Lane to write a story about this, or they'll reveal the identities. Then she writes a story anyway that doesn't reveal the identities, and then the person blackmailing her just stops. Right now, it could be that they're building towards it. The story isn't over, and I think it has an un an inappropriate amount more books to go. Uh, <laughs> but um. <sighs> Well, the problem with Heroes in Crisis, besides the fact that, like, besides the relevance to this topic, which is stakes and how there aren't any, um, is that, like, that book is all over the place and it's not very well written. Like, it's just, it's, it is. it's just, there's, like, 17 plot threads that are all over the place. There's mm. no protagonist or driving force. No, and, no. You know, there, there's also this, like, big message that King wants to get across that never really quite has a clear voice and when it does it's done in the form of monologuing at the reader yeah that's, the that's, lecturing. The, that's the thing that bugged me the most because when i heard about heroes in crisis i'm like okay you know this this actually could be a story with stakes where it's like yes how would regular joe and jane six-pack in america react to the idea that their heroes the people who save them the people with these godlike abilities have mental problems of their own and need to seek help but the story's not about that, because we never see how regular people react to the existence of Sanctuary, and Superman just solves the whole problem in the span of one speech. Yeah, Superman lectures the American, the, the human race mm. about getting over people with mental illness or with, with, with trauma. Mm. Which and I agree with what he said, but they did it in such a slapdash way. Such an, it, was, it was horribly inappropriate. But, like, ultimately, when you look at Heroes in Crisis, Heroes in Crisis is almost like an emblem for... Uh, state like what comic book creators think stakes are today and yeah. why they'll never be like a big important story because like well DC is also in, 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 in danger of that being a problem because they refuse to acknowledge what continuity is mm. like did New 52 happen or not yeah maybe some of it happens I rest some my stuff, case but, like, not, it, but not other stuff literally Batman fights his younger year one self in the new detective comics issue. And oh, is that what happened uh, today? It, it's a whole thing, but like, Oh, I haven't read that yet. Oh, that's going to be good. But it's year one because screw you. Like because, we like year one. We want to keep that. Right. But like there was a directive from on high that zero year was the established. It was, there was no more year one. That's not it. Like there is no continuity DC. And if nothing, ha like, you could literally, okay, how many people died in Heroes in Crisis? Like, dozens? More than a few, at least. So there's dozens of characters who are dead. If, I don't know, like, Dan Brown or some prolific author, James Patterson, was like, mm. I have a killer cave boy pitch. Boy pitch, you'll love it. They'll just say he didn't die, or... I mean, they already screwed up with K-Boy because he was at Arsenal's funeral, so again, there's no editorial control. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's, like, one of the other things we need to get to, which is, like, a reason there's no stakes is because, for one thing, there's no continuity, and for another, the editors aren't doing their job. They're asleep at the wheel a lot of the time. Completely. At DC worse than Marvel at the moment, but that changes every so often. They'll flip it, you know, give him another year. Uh, or another couple of days, like who knows, you know, your, your favorite book might be all wrong because the editor doesn't care or isn't paid enough to care. 
This um, this is absolutely true. But uh, but my point about Heroes in Crisis, there's dozens of characters that are dead. If any, if Quentin Tarantino is like, I want to write comics, and I want to write about like uh, the the I don't remember Blue Jay, Blue Jay, or the character who says like, uh, say no to drugs or else. Oh uh, yeah, the protector who is the supposed protector. to be Rob in in a in a in a PSA comic with the Titans that they didn't want Robin involved in, so they literally drew over him and created this character. Yeah, the protector. They're just gonna say he didn't die. Like there's you and you as the reader. Like the thing is, if you've been reading comics for more than a year, you in today's world you are intimately familiar with the writer, the creator, and oh, yeah. like or and the artist. And what their politics are, and what their belief system is, and what they're doing. You probably next. follow them on Twitter and Instagram. You can watch a thousand interviews of them and be intimately familiar with who they are and what they're who they're married to. So that there's no, there's almost no like visible line between comic book reading and meta reading, where you're like, it's true. Oh, meta text is... has become the text now. Yeah, meta text is what you're reading, like. You remember when Marvel tried to do that augmented reality thing where you're like, read the comic through your phone. Like, yeah. you're basically doing that now. Like, read the comic through the lens of your understanding of who the creator is. Like, yeah. so as a result, you know there's no stakes because you're aware of how the industry is run, whether there's going to be a movie about that character in the next five years, and yeah. how the industry is going to react because the industry is, like, implicitly reactive to stimuli from the from the form of like a hashtag with 12 retweets with with 12 retweets or uh you know a video about like you know some creator's political opinions like they will immediately about face or change things based on mm -hmm. the opinions of what seems like a lot of people would are actually more like 12 I do believe that term is called astroturfing when you make something look like a big grassroots deal when it's actually very small good pull uh, but like, it's, it's, it's interesting, the world we live in, especially when you remember what the world it came from was and how even then, like I'm telling you 20 years ago, people were like, Wolverine, adamantium claws, please just fix it. Uh, that was 20 years ago, 20 years later, people are like, please like Spider-Man when in the other, he died and like, he did not, like, they didn't polybag it. They didn't, like, write an, a New York Times article about it. There was no, you know, big thing in Entertainment Weekly. It was just, he just died. And then he came back as spiders. And, like, I don't remember anyone complaining. And I'm like, what the hell is this? No. And it's just because nobody cared. Because there were no stakes. And and people do still care sometimes, though. Nick Spencer will go and be like, hey, Captain America was a Hydra sleeper agent. And everyone loses their mind. Oh, Chase like Eichler in the Super Chat literally says, did Secret Empire have stakes? I feel like it did. But yeah. see if it if you don't think so. Keep up the great work, Bob, guys. Thank that's, you very much. That, that's another reason why I love the story. I'm like, okay, did he get an actual, you know, rise out of you? Well, then I guess it mattered then. Right. Like, it's really weird how... Secret Empire came in the world of all of that stuff that you came to expect and don't believe in. And yet when that happened, everybody freaked out. And I don't know if that's because of the machine that is like the comic book industry mouthpiece. Like, I don't know if like Secret Empire was believed to have had stakes just because enough people complained about what happened specifically in this story or whether, like, Nick Spencer somehow magically tapped into the 
old school way of implying there are stakes by just changing the status quo like in, in, in an unexpected way. I mean, that that's definitely something you, know, you could argue Donny Cates is doing the same thing in Venom right now by being like, he's got a kid, bunch of his memories. Yeah. Can't trust him. Oh, remember when Captain America died? Yes. That was a big deal. I, I remember that book sold crazy. Like, not Superman, Death of Superman, like, numbers, but as close as you could get in this world. Heck, uh, remember the original Civil War, and I think more than anything, that's what Spencer was trying to do, being like, hey, Marvel's the world outside your window. Let let me do something as topical today as Civil War was during, like, the height of uh, Desert Storm 2. Totally, yeah. Uh, Tevia says, uh, killing off New 52 Superman, did that have stakes? We didn't, well, no. I don't think anybody no. was, well, like, here's the thing. New 52 fans, three of them that I know by name, uh, <laughs> were really mad. Yeah. And the rest of us were like, I didn't want him here in the first place. And mm. also, who cares? Like, is he really even dead? Like, does that even matter? Like, I don't even care enough to wonder whether this is smoke and mirrors or not. I, I do feel slightly bad for the couple New 52 fans because it's like, oh, oh, this was your entry into comics, oh huh? This was your first one? And I'm like, oh, and I, and I guess I'm kind of being a dick by being like, well, fuck your feelings. I didn't want him anyway. <laughs> yeah. He's gone now. I have my thing back. But in the back of my head, too, I'm like, you know what? Everything comes back in comics anyway. So, you know, just fucking wait a while. But then, too, it's like, well, maybe those new readers stopped reading comics after that. And that's, you know, the problem with the industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the well, the fact that they merged New 52 Superman into, uh, like, Convergence Superman was, I mm. think, their olive branch to say, like, we're obviously not going to be telling any more New 52 Superman stories, but let's just say that spiritually your character is still alive. Didn't didn't he show up again in like one of those New Age of Heroes books? I know you and I wouldn't know because we don't read that. Yes, but he still, did. Didn't... But uh, no, I don't care. Um, yeah, I don't comics. care how that happened either. Yeah. Tula for Comics says, uh, looking slim and trim, Joel, tight like a tiger. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm trying out a new beard, too. I don't know if I like it yet. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Sam Anderson says, is taking legacy slash D-listers and turning them good or evil now the easiest way to create stakes? Dr. Fate being a villain, uh, gave heft to Justice League Dark. Uh, yes, and it was all, like, I think it has to be delicately handled where it's like, anyone could believe Dr. Fate's a bad guy. So it's like... Yeah, because that's like baked into his character anyway, that he's like, oh, I only care about... Well, you know, there's, you know, lots of different types of order. There's good order and evil order. Right, so like, it was an easy transition to make it, as long as your readers are on board and they buy it, you can you you can generate stakes out of that. It, it also helped that Dr. Fate wasn't doing anything at the time where most people are like, oh, I'm just happy to read about Dr. Fate again, whatever he's doing. Yeah, I think, you know, especially when you want to create stakes, use an established character, even though there's no motivation to do that in a world where you're like, I'm in the industry to make money. First of mm -hmm. all, if you're in the industry to make money, I hope you made a movie or wrote a show or have a num or have like six really popular independent comics because otherwise you're a hired gun who's here to tell this year's worth of stories in a 2000 year long legacy for that character. You're, uh, you're playing in someone else's sandbox with someone else's toys and we can always take them away. Right. Yeah. But if you create a character today, you'll get a check for that character forever unless you leave in a like huff and then go to the distinguished competition, in which case their char your characters will be hidden or put away. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know... Not to name names or anything. No, but Eat That Horse says, how to create stakes, don't be Tom King. I mean, like, I disagree only because 
I'm told what an asshole and an idiot I am for disagreeing with what Tom King does with established characters Likewise. every single day. And yeah. there are more and more people every day who agree with me over time, but mm-hmm. there is still a significant amount of people who are like, I love what he's doing and I think it's awesome and screw you. And the fact is like vision, I could never have cared less about him. And in fact, Ben has established that by having She-Hulk rip him in half and disassemble. Yeah. And for me, I was like, good, get rid of this boring robot. Like I don't, <laughs> there's one thing, like if there's one or two things that are keeping me from being interested in Avengers, one of them is having a fucking robot on the team. I just didn't care about Vision at all, ever. I just didn't care. And also, having like an unkillable robot that can go through walls and is as strong as mm-hmm. Superman kind of takes the teeth out of the team. But if you put like Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Luke Cage on the team, how are they going to beat, you know, Terax? I don't know, but I want to f- read that issue. Getting rid of Vision relatable. made me go like, oh shit, that's cool. You bring up an interesting point there about how good stakes come from characters who are relatable. You know what book I think handled stakes excellently, and it actually just finished up its run with its writer just now? Uh, Miss Marvel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Miss Marvel was great because the thesis statement of that book is I don't need arch nemesises. I don't need a revolving door of villains because my greatest threat is real life problems that I have to balance with being a superhero, much like Spider-Man before me. You know, I, I, I don't worry that Miss Marvel could potentially be killed by whoever she's fighting. I'm worried that she'll have to break another appointment with her friends or her parents who we like as characters and we don't want them to be mad at each other. Exactly. That's how invested we are in them that's that's how you have stakes they're not huge stakes but they're personal stakes that's i think also uh, indicative of the power set like ms marvel's care like powers she can shrink and get bigger and stretch and whatever like that's not a world saving power just like no. sticking to walls and swinging from ropes is not a world saving power now because of his popularity spider-man has become a universal character that will save all of us and like you know become yeah. the new jesus but like <laughs> he'll save every one of us every man every woman every child spider-man <laughs> there was a time when spider-man was a street level hero and that's why i liked him when yeah. there wasn't a legion of spider people who all have the same goddamn power that isn't really all that powerful, but he thinks it's important, and that's why he has to save everybody. Like, ah! Anyway, um, jumping back into the Super Chats really quick. Uh, Too Old for Comics has just consolidated all into Amalgam Comics. Yeah, well, uh, who gets paid for that, though? And they, yeah, they exactly. That's a big other. question. Uh, a. Carter <laughs> says he's got to run, but wanted to drop some cash for the show. Thank you very much, Carter. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, keep up the good work. Well, you too, my friend. Uh, sorry you couldn't stick around, but hopefully you'll catch the later show. Um, but yeah, uh, how can they fix it, Joel? What are they going to do to make stakes matter today? I mean, we, we've, we've identified a rough. couple of things you can do if you want to be a... If you're an author or you or you want to... Or you're an editor and you're like, this This has to matter. I want to get the audience on board for something that's happening and not have all of them unanimously, cynically go like, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, longer form stories, like we were saying for Secret Wars, uh, I actually have very high hopes for War of Realms because I've been reading and invested in everything Jason Aaron has been doing with yeah. Thor. And I'm glad to see it pay off on such a grand scale like it is. Uh, I think Cates is doing that with Venom now, too. We basically got a thing dropped there that Venom will be leading into a big universe event, too. Of course. Uh, similarly, Scott Snyder and James Tunney IV building a lot of stakes with their Justice League run, even though DC is almost synonymous with nothing matters and who cares. Uh, because, of, and it, you know what's funny? I, meta reading that 
I'm kind of like, I think this will have stakes because Snyder is a triple A writer and they don't want to piss him off. He's also friends with everyone too. Like his continuity actually gets referenced in other books where Bendis is in King's continuity, which arguably they're shaking stuff, just as much kiss stuff as they are, but no one likes them as much who works there. So they don't want to reference their material because they know that's not going to be a two-way street. I can't even speak to whether they're popular in the office, but I can say that they clearly operate in a bubble, in their own Mm. bubbles. And they, it might not even be that they want to be there, but it's because of their popularity and their clout and their pocket, like, you know, their checks, like the amount of money they're making that insulate them from being part of the bullpen. I'd be afraid to approach them if I worked there, if I was just a hired gun freelancer. Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't feel like a peer. No. And I think a lot of them probably wouldn't because... Which- well, you, you get to do whatever you want. Like, you can't, we can't commiserate. We're not on the same level. You can do anything you want. And we all have to ask how high we have to jump when you do that. Mm. But, like, there's no, if I do anything important, I could work my ass off for 10 years at this company telling really, really fan favorite stories that have influenced, like, the, the, the you know, the smallest secondary characters. And then Tom King could kill them in a half-panel reference on, in one event that no one asked for. Yeah. And I just have to get out of the way and get used to it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy uh, how, how much of a disconnect there is. But that's also, like, part of the reason why, like, I don't know, superstar artists and writers are kind of, like, good and bad for the industry. I'm not mm. saying they need to be done away with, but it's certainly, like, it's good and bad. Like, in the days before Image, it was, like, Books were being sold because of the creative teams. That's how it will be forever now. Um, yeah, you take the bitter with the sweet. But hopefully those creative teams can like use their power, their great power, responsibly and tell good stories. And if they really, really, really want to like build their own universe, they can go to any other company and make those universes happen because of their popularity. You know, if if, if Tom King really, really wants to write a story about PTSD, again... He could always just go do that again at any time with another independent series. Uh, By the way, I will say, like, my point about Vision was simply that, like, Vision had stakes, the King series, because I didn't care about Vision. I had no expectations. I loved what he did with him. And because no one was doing anything that interesting with Vision in my interpretation of that character, I was able to, like, forget about it or not worry about it and just enjoy the story in a big way. And I think it elevated Vision in a big, bad way to the point where now his daughter gets to be a member of the Champions and Wade is referencing the Vision story and so many other writers are referencing the Vision story. Well, it's funny how, like, even with the Vision story, like, that story was so good and so, like, important to the character. And yet, when they use those other characters at all, it's almost like, what are you doing? What do you do with Viv? You don't know what Viv's all about. You don't know what you're doing. But it's nice to see Viv being used, and I think they are actually doing something cool with her. Like, I'm glad that she's a character and that she has her own agency and, like, you know, and that they're not, like, they're not doing anything with with the fallout from that story. Like, they're, they're like, that's not our story to tell, nor is it tasteful to do anything with those other characters. Absolutely, no doubt. Um, But, yeah, so long-form storytelling is a good way to raise the stakes. Um, I think that originality is still a thing. Oh, yeah. And upsetting the apple cart in a way that is 
earned and well-written. Like, just, just pure unadulterated talent. Like, Nick Spencer's Captain America reveal in Secret Empire. People were so mad. And yeah, they were. we know that at Marvel, like, if you make the audience mad, then your, then your, then your pitch has been greenlit because, like, that's how they operate now. It starts <laughs> all the way back in Civil War. Uh, controversy creates cash, the Eric Bischoff method. Exactly. But uh, that Hail Hydra moment, you're like, I don't know what's happening. Like, And people lost their shit, even though they know in their heart of hearts, like, there's no way that Cap will be Hydra forever. No, of course not. Uh it's too bad that, like, we didn't get the whole story, and it's too bad that, like, I don't really even know what the real ending was supposed to be. And even then, I like, have my theories. Yes, but even then, like, the real ending, like, the real ending to the, A Death in the Family was that Jason Todd didn't die. And I think the world mm. would have been poorer with a living Jason Todd. We never would have gotten Tim Drake. We never would have gotten Red Hood. Like, and I think those are more important than uh, a living Jason Todd who, like, yeah. got killed off by the Riddler or something. You know, like, who cares? Uh, but just 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 originality being like here's something unexpected that's still a thing yeah. don't discount it just because of gimmicks more uh, more personal stakes is another thing and i think miss marvel was able to pull off those more personal stakes so great because g willow wilson was just left alone to write she didn't have to tie into every big event she didn't have to do really anything but just write the character that's that, that's one of the few examples where i think comics knew what they had it's like okay we have lightning in a bottle here let's let's back off and not touch it now right no it's uh, that, that's a great point about how like i remember uh you know reading about those street level characters who have like human supporting characters like you worry about those characters you know yeah. uh, i know there was a big story in superman way back in the day when like Perry White had cancer. Yeah. And that was like, and you, you were worried about him. I mean, like, uh, I'm sure that if I cared about what Spider-Man was doing when Big Time happened, or not Big Time, uh, Brand New Day, Jonah's heart attack would have really affected me. Uh, at yeah. that point, I was like, screw the whole thing. I don't care. Burn it down. Uh, uh, how do you feel about Aunt May's cancer currently? I have no belief in that at all. Uh, no, nah, neither do I. You know what it is? You can't do the same thing too recently. Yeah. And by that I mean, even though One More Day is 10 years old, mm -hmm. people are still talking about it. Indeed. And they're still arguing about it. And mm -hmm. so it's still fresh. If you refer to Aunt May dying, it's like when, uh, when uh, remember when Thor died in Siege? Yes. Or Fear Itself? Was it Fear Itself? Yeah, Fear Itself, yeah. he got killed by the dragon or whatever. That's right, the, the last big Asgardian-centric event. Right, and you're like, didn't Thor just die? Like, didn't Thor literally die and then come back during the whole JMS run? Like, mm -hmm. and then they killed him now? And isn't he back in the next story? Like, you, you can't just do the same, you, you have to have it, like, you need time. Yeah. And I know that, like, everyone wants to rush and do this thing right now. You, you need time. You gotta, you gotta you let things breathe. You can't, and we don't like, have time for that in this modern comic era. We gotta go fast, fast, fast. What's the next summer event? What's the thing? Don't, don't get comfortable. Right, but, like, the event can still be, like, oh, no, I mean, like, here's another stakes thing. Do you believe Hawkeye will get, it like, a robot thumb? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Right, like, do you, like, could you possibly be worried about Hawkeye? Do you, do you remember that Hawkeye was deaf once upon a time? Writers forget that that's also a thing. And he's still deaf, I guess, when, like, people remember yeah. that. 
Yeah, he's just got super hearing aids. Yeah, you just don't see them because it's no, Stark you just don't tech. See them. Yeah, it's Stark. You don't see it. That was a huge thing in the Fraction thing. Like, oh my god, this villain stuck arrows in a friggin' Clint's ears. He deafened him. Yeah. No, not anymore. No. Or whatever. No. And that's the, th- the other thing is like you need strong editors to reinforce your stakes. You need to be like, hey, I see you're doing something with uh, with Clint. Don't forget he's freaking deaf. Please. Uh, also, too, uh, Sam Alexander Nova, currently, he lost his helmet. The Nova Corps like, hey, we're back now, and you've been running around with this unsanctioned thing. We're taking it away from you, small child. And now he's the pilot of the champions team, and he's trying to deal with finding a new place on the team. That's so sad, but, like, I guarantee no one will do anything with him. Like, who's is it still Wade writing champions? Uh, no, Zub. Zub's so been writing, writing it. Zub, thank you. I was like, who's writing champions? I know it's not Wade anymore, but I'm just going to... But yeah, Zub. There, no one cares about what's happening in champions. So, like, Zub can do whatever oh, he I wants do. with those characters. He is, and that's why it's good. But the mixed bag with that is... Uh, who's the biggest writer? I guess Jason Aaron. But Jason Aaron likes playing well with others. I was going to say, like, if, like, Tom King or Brian Michael Bendis was writing for Marvel... You better hope he doesn't want to do anything with Sam Alexander because he's going to forget everything that happened in those stories. Hey, if Duggan gets another chance to write him, I'm sure he'll set everything right. Maybe in that Cosmic Wolverine book, maybe Sam will show up there. Uh, The book I would never read because Wolverine's not a cosmic character. Uh, He is now. Man, that disappointed me so much, the end of that Return of Wolverine. I'm like, oh, so the ending's a non-ending. But hey, you can go read Cosmic Wolverine right now. It picks up exactly afterwards. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. So you tell me I have to buy another miniseries now. Right. I think no, Joel is done with X-Men now. Yeah. I'll just read about Wolverine and the Adventures of the X-Men. Thank you. Mm. Um, something about that just reminded me. Like, I mean, like the Wolverine death. Nobody nobody expected him to, to, be, to stay dead. He didn't. He stayed dead longer than we thought, though. He did. And it was interesting because, like, some point or other, you're like, okay. And they were doing enough interesting things with other Wolverine analogs. They were like, eh, whatever. Take your time. Yeah, yeah, there was no particular rush for that. And his death was good and satisfying, and Charles Soule wrote a worthwhile death, not not like a gimmicky death. Like, there was a story that built up to that moment, and it was all worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. No, it, stakes are still alive in comics. You just have to, like, look to find them. And, like I said, like, you need the support of your bosses slash editors to implement them. Like, they need to yeah. be carried over. And you need the respect of your peers to care. Uh, I remember yeah. when we talked to Scott Snyder on this show, he mentioned that like when he's doing a big event or a big story, he'll pitch the story to yeah. everybody. And if anybody says, hey, I'm doing something with that character, or hey, I'm doing something with this, he will be happy to implement that or leave it alone as he's developing the story. But once that story's locked in, he doesn't care about what you're doing or what you want. He's mm. going to do that story, and it's going to steamroll your thing. And that I mean, feels a, like that should be industry standard, doesn't it? That's a fair point. Like, I think that's, that's not like, – he's earned it. He's Scott Snyder. He gets to deal with those kinds of things. But also like, – And he's not doing it maliciously. He's not doing it maliciously. It's more like, I wrote this story. I'm not going to change it you know, six months in to accommodate whatever it is you want to do. Yeah, come talk to me before when I'm pitching these. And I think that that should be, the, like you said, that should be industry standard. Give me all your stories. What are you doing with these characters? Here are the crossovers. Does anything I'm doing with this character totally F your character over here? 
No? Yeah. Cool. Yes? Can I do it anyway? <laughs> no? Okay. Like, Damn. I, I think you're going to have a, a happier bullpen, a group of people who are more willing to work with each other and who are more comfortable with what they're doing and they don't have to play as much like bullshit footsie where they're just like, oh, I love what he's doing even though I clearly am undoing what they're doing over there. Like, no, just everybody's happy. Like, just yeah. just respect each other. It's a mutual respect for your characters, for your peers, for your editors, and for your audience, most of all. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it? Uh, any other ticks, trips, and trip ticks? Uh, any other trips and tips that tricks and tips that uh, you want to offer to any creators or anything, or the audience to say like, here's how you can spot a story with some stakes in it. Mm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think here, man. This this was a topic I feel like almost I should week so I could have written some ones down or some good stake filled stories. Oh, uh, another good example from just recently, uh, that new Daredevil from Chip Zdarsky. They seem to be implying that Matt has a painkiller addiction now. Mm, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's that's new. That's different. Hey, Dr. House meets Daredevil. I'm in. Again, works well. Hey, you get to tackle that whole opioid uh, epidemic through the eyes of a superhero. And again, you know, Matt, he's street level enough. You know, he gets hurt. His body hurts. I can understand him abusing something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to see Matt go to like Yancey Street and ask the Fantastic Four for a cure for opiate addiction. Yeah, although that'd be funny. Come on, Reed. I know you got a cure. (laughs) Or you got super opium. Like, yeah, yeah, oh my god, he sneaks in there to steal Reed Richards' super opium. That'd be so sad, I don't want that. Uh, no, no. Again, that's more of a Roy Harper thing. Exactly. Where's like, the super smack? Yeah. And now you're dead, Roy. Thing. I got a super need. Yeah, Oh, now Roy's not with us anymore. <laughs> no, but it'll only be a matter of time. He'll be back. And ho- back. Hopefully, hopefully this is a mercy killing. Hopefully he comes back and is like, hey, I want to be Red Arrow again. I don't want <laughs> yeah. to be Arsenal anymore. That'd be great. I, I'm burying all my trucker caps. Uh, or burning them. I'm burning my trucker caps. I like that. He that was a, a dumb face. And he fires a flaming arrow at them. <laughs> hey, he can go and join that Outsiders because he led the Outsiders for a bit. There you go. Works for me. Yeah, um, hey, I'm, act- I'm actually on a team with more supportive people. Yeah. But uh, that's the thing. Like, it's why I remember when Nick Spencer brought Pete and Mary Jane back together. Immediately, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I trust this. Too fast. No fanfare. No nothing. There was nothing about it. It was just they got back together. First issue. Boom. And they got back together in a conversation that literally directly contrasted a conversation the two of them had in, a, in the previous writer's run, not several issues prior. Like, legitimately... Pete and Mary Jane have a conversation about like how it's not going to work. And then they have almost the opposite conversation in another writer's book. I'm like, I don't know if I can buy this. It feels like, and you've hurt me before Marvel. Like, I don't know if I can buy this. Like I'm waiting for the other shoe shoe to drop. And with Aunt May Mm. being sick, now I'm starting to think like I'm being screwed with. Mary Jane actually is the blue centipede guy. Right? Oh my God. Don't even get, I really hope you're wrong. That would make me throw up. Uh, again, you know that. Again, that's another thing we can talk about: how to build a good mystery in comics. Is I actually think so far, Blue Centipede guy has ticked a lot of boxes for me. Where it's like, oh, here's a bunch of really good suspects. Oh, we've crossed a couple suspects off. It can't be Foswell. It can't be uh, what is it? Ned Leeds because his clone came back and died again. Yeah. What the fuck? By the way. Yeah, I didn't like that either. How weird. Why inter- again? You introduced him to kill him off again to be like, no, he's not the blue centipede guy. Yeah, I mean, like I can imagine them just being like, 
Spencer being like, I'm going to be here for probably another 50, 50 issues. I have no plans for, for Ned Leeds. Clone conspiracy was stupid. Let's yeah, best to just get rid of him. Yeah, let's just get rid of him. Let's um, just get rid of him. I don't know, but I'm I'm excited to see it. But like the blue centipede guy, despite the fact that he's an overdeveloped character looking wise and he's a horrible design, uh, I think that this could be a more fun mystery a la the Hobgoblin. Yes, yes. Oh, I was absolutely getting that feeling. Not, uh, but remember Menace and the whole mystery around who Menace was? Yes, and it turned out to be Carly. And it felt really crappy? Yeah, and Carly's back now. Oh, I know. No, it was Lily Hollister. Oh, that's right, that's right. Oh, no, she became, uh, what, she became Monster. Yes. It was Monster and Menace. Slightly different. I think Carly might be the Blue Centipede guy, but we'll see. Yeah, because she just showed up out of the blue at a time when uh, it seemed like Blue Centipede Guy has a weird crush on uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, also, uh, they got really mad that Peter told Felicia who he was again. Yeah. And they both refer to him as Pete. Yeah, seems like a jilted lover thing, doesn't it? But it's it? like, the fact that Spencer wrote Carly and had Carly refer to Peter as Pete in dialogue and had Blue Centipede Guy refer to Peter as Pete, written by Dick Spencer, I'm thinking, maybe that's the correlation. He's he's pretty good with twists though, and maybe that was like his mixed misdirection. Like, no, I wanted you to think it was that person. Now I'm gonna do this Craven story to make you forget that. Uh, by the way, kill Craven the Hunter in this story, please, <laughs> because I'm done with Craven, and no Craven story has been as good as his last. It's true. Uh, by the way, in the super chats, uh, Adam Asamoa jumps back in says, Grant Morrison's X-Men has great stakes. When Magneto's out at Zorn, he takes over New York, and it was truly shocking, tried to kill the X-Men, all five of them, and kill Jean Grey, he has, he, and she stayed dead for a while. No, Grant Morrison, anything, usually has some kind of stakes, just by virtue of the fact True. that it's Grant Morrison. But also, Morrison's new X-Men, he sought to change things, and it was during a time when Marvel could do anything, And like the sky was the limit as far as like decisions were concerned. Mm. And that's another thing. Desperation in the publisher will help uh, reinforce stakes. It is meta reading, but it's also like, you know, that they don't like this is this could be their Hail Mary. That was a time when they were like, screw it, do anything you want. Yeah. And yeah, killing Jean and leaving her dead for a long time. I agree. Especially when, they, especially when they did something interesting with Emma to, to occupy her place. Mm. When you replace a character, if you kill a character and then immediately replace them, especially with somebody who fan-wise you support, you got yeah. a better chance of leaving that character dead. Yeah, it's, it's the exact opposite of what they're doing on the Orville right now. They got rid of uh, their security lady and replaced her with a completely different security lady who I don't mm. like near as much. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> made her part of, but made her part of the same alien race. And I'm like, that's, nah. Yeah. No, that's if you, weird. If you, if you got a science, they're like, yeah, but, but we still have the makeup, though. We don't have to come up with new makeup. That makes me feel like they were just, they wanted to, uh, like, recast. Mm, but couldn't. But couldn't. But, uh. Nah, apparently, I, I think because it got out in the media that McFarlane was dating the woman who left the show. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the reason. So now we can't look like we did a thing because the writer, director, star might have done a bad thing. Yeah, well, Orville's still pretty good though. They uh, they just did their uh, season two uh, first two parter, which is like totally straight up them doing best of both worlds. God damn it! 
All right. That sounds fun. It's it's very solid, too. It's goddamn, I hate how much I love Bjorville. Yeah. Why is it so good? And it, it doesn't even pretend to be a comedy anymore most of the time. Oh, that's nice. Good. They're, that's... Just, they're just like, fuck it, we're a better Star Trek show now. Yeah. Can we, uh, when Viacom and and, uh, and whatever the hell, like, remerge, can we just ma- rename the, bo- the show? <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Now you're Star Trek Orville. Yeah, now you're just really Star Trek. You're just, it's basically, it just is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that wraps it up, man. Uh, that was the show. We want to thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, let us know in the comments, if you are watching this on YouTube, uh, what your favorite most pivotal moment in comics history was, and I uh, look forward to seeing what your, on, your, what your answers are, because there's so many different ones. Everybody has a different mm-hmm. interpretation about what was, like, the most important thing that happened to yeah. a character that they loved or, you know, read about, uh, so anyway, we'll see you guys next time. Don't forget, of course, to visit the Patreon, patreon.com slash comic to catch the extra show that this show is about to record when we end the show. So, oh, yeah. The show never stops. You get so much more show. Yeah, that's right. There's so many shows. It's just always it's it's no it's it's a show. It's a no show stopper. I don't, mm-hmm. know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, also stay tuned on twitch.tv slash TV to watch Tiffany play video games. It's a really fun show. Uh, at least follow the channel to get updates to know uh, when she's going live, which is Wednesdays, which is usually Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, and of course, right after on. that, stay tuned for uh, back issues because this is like the most videos we release in a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I stream too now, actually. I finally got my computer rig doing there, so you can find me over on the Purple Channel too. That's right. Watch out for those Purple Channels. We are, we call them Purple Channels because YouTube doesn't like hearing about competitors. So uh, yeah, they usually flag those videos. So watch out. Uh, anyway, we'll see you guys then. Thanks a lot for watching. I'm Sal. And I'm Joel. So long. Bye-bye.